Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. You're listening to the Ozzy Cossack on today's news talk radio, TNT. Welcome back to Saturday Night Live uh, with the Ozzy Cossack broadcasting from the Russian Colonel in Sydney. 358 days in a row now. We are uh, holed up here. Actually, 358, nine days in a row. Almost one year we'll be having next week. We've been keep tra- keeping track of the time, and time has uh, been passing very, very quickly. Almost the end of the year, and that's marking one year anniversary. Uh, tonight's show, we're joined shortly uh, by Lachlan Kavanagh, one of the stars of the Sydney anti-lockdown freedom movement. Later on in the show, Maria Z, one of my favorite independent journalists, will be joining us with an update from what's happening uh, with the whistleblower excess deaths situation in New Zealand. Uh, Very keen to uh, hear about that and uh, discuss that on the air tonight because it's a good precedent to what might happen in Australia. Of course, everyone knows, everybody knows, the government knows, that's why they're paying uh, millions of dollars in compensation to the victims and we tried to warn them we did our best we were censored we were shut down and we'll talk to a few of our guests tonight uh, who fought the good fight back in the good old days uh, but that fight continues wonder how those people feel now who were opposing uh, those of us who were speaking up against the government's mandates and against their uh, forced injection policy wonder how they feel now are you somebody who has uh, taken one or two and you've turned around and you've said no? Give us a call anytime tonight. We'll open up the open line uh, starting from now up until midnight. We'll be going for the next four hours, 8 p.m. Sydney time it is at the moment, up until midnight, 1-800-670-310. It's a free call uh, from Australia or New Zealand. We welcome your opinion. Want to ring up and uh, you don't have to be a yes man. You can be uh, as abusive as you like. You can disagree uh, with me, the Aussie Cossack, as much as you like. I like uh, to get a bit of a challenge on the air. Uh, you can ring up. Don't be shy. If you've been sitting back and holding something in, uh, you've been listening. But look, I, I do uh, enjoy hearing your opinion. Paul from Mornington, I know you're out there. Uh, Alison from far north Queensland. Our regulars, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Of course, main news uh, around the world and trending on top on Twitter and everywhere else is the news of President Putin's decision to once again go into the election. And um, I've heard he's a $1.10 favorite, not surprising there. Uh, They're struggling to find a candidate. The joke is uh, Putin will announce his opposition candidates shortly. Uh, he will appoint them, in fact. It's a question, who will be uh, the opposition uh, candidates? That is a question I'm very interested to see because it takes a lot of balls to run against Putin. Uh, I would be very in- interested, but we'll discuss that as well tonight. We'll have uh, Crimean political scientists joining us from Crimea with the uh, inside story, the latest intel uh, on that election coming up 2024 is uh, a year of elections uh coming up with the russian election on the march the 17th 
and then we'll have following a u.s election but of course the u.s election i'm not i'm not too uh keen on that uh some of you may be following it closely uh, i'm not across u.s politics to be quite honest uh some people that we uh talk to have an insight into that and i'm sure later on in the show uh somebody will mention uh the fact that john raddick new south Wales member of parliament and ross cameron fellow tnt presenter and leader of the new south Wales liberal democrats has actually have actually flown to argentina i was very surprised to read about that news for the uh inauguration of the new argentinian chainsaw wielding uh libertarian conservative president in that country and that is a certainly a very strong development uh, i don't think any australian delegations were officially invited there was no DFAT presence i don't think penny wong got an invite uh but these uh, new south wales parliamentarians have taken the liberty as true libertarians to uh, get on a plane and represent australia and good on him good on him john raddick for doing so i think it's a great thing uh, you may disagree some people don't like the new argentinian president they say he's a u.s puppet some of my uh the viewers and listeners I've, I've heard that rhetoric floating around uh in the comment section uh but at the end of the day some people are asking why does the time keep changing well good question we're just rearranging a few uh things and we're changing the time in terms of when does it suit better but at least we, we you can definitely be sure it's always on a Saturday night and 8 p.m Sydney time we'll be going all the way through till midnight for a marathon evening uh so enjoy the show tonight and one more thing before we switch to uh our first guest Lachlan Kavanagh we're keen to speak to him uh if if there's anything you want to talk about especially in regards to uh the elections that are coming up I'm actually probably going to do a campaign on the air tonight but sometimes if you're a regular listener you'll know that we sometimes come up with outrageous campaigns and proposals which play out on the air and then they play out in real life that's the danger of the Aussie Cossack show uh for the government for the police for our political opponents the things that are said on this show actually transpire into real life and things that are discussed here it could be just brainstorming it could be just a bit of banter but then it ends out it ends up playing out in reality and on the streets and for me that's very important locked locked up in the Russian consulate to have that reach to be able to uh uh cause trouble slash do good it depends which angle you're looking at it from uh, we'll definitely be 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 very very keen to discuss how in Australia we can take part in the March 17 Russian presidential election that's coming up in three months the world is talking about that that Putin has made the decision that he's coming back for the fifth term the fifth term how good is that uh, but without further ado our first guest for tonight Lachlan Kavanagh he's a landscaper runs his own landscaping business in fact from uh the lower north shore uh, we can definitely hear you and we can almost see you Lachlan uh welcome to TNT radio pretty much guaranteed that Putin's going to win is his approval ratings of 80 plus percent aren't they approval ratings are the highest they've ever been they're higher than they were in fact before the war started uh uh, much to the dismay of the West, they haven't been able to put a dent at all in his uh, popularity. This is not what you hear, but if you listen to the, the news, if you listen to the news, you'll hear about how Russia opposes the war and it's all Putin's evil and 
it's all just propaganda to try to convince people that the Russians are the bad guys. Well, you know, at the end of the day, he actually is very popular, and there's no doubt he'll win the election uh, mm. with a very strong result. But in Australia, people also vote for Vladimir Putin or for any candidate they wish uh, in the uh, presidential elections. So in March the 17th, there's going to be polling booths set up in Australia so people in Australia who have the right to vote in the Russian election, so Russian citizens, will be able to vote. It may be a surprise to many of our listeners, but uh, the last elections in 2018 uh, in Australia, Vladimir Putin gained 68.07% of the overall vote. Did you know that? Are you talking about among people in Russia? Well, yeah, the, the amount of Russian citizens in Australia. So you won 68% of the, the vote in Australia? Yeah, out of all the Russian citizens in this country, 68% of them voted for him. So, um, I'm, look, I'm going to be very keen because I love to get involved and do a bit of uh, campaigning. Let's see if we can uh, raise that figure, raise the voter turnout as well, by the way. Uh, I think we'll deploy all of our resources and all of our volunteers. I mean, as Australians, people like yourself, Lockie, and others can't vote in the election. Uh, I'm a Russian citizen now. I can vote, but you can still get involved in campaigning and be on the ground. You know what we'll do? We'll have big concerts and big barbecues and set up stages, you know, the way I like to do things. We'll go full out um, for the Russian presidential elections, plenty of portraits of Putin, outrageous scenes of support to Putin. Wouldn't that be fun? What do you think as an Australian? I reckon that'd be fun. But the problem with Australia and the reason that that would be an outrageous scene is that we get taught a very ideological view about how the world works in terms of democracies versus authoritarianism and it's, we essentially get taught that everybody who supports authoritarianism is being brainwashed and controlled and this is obviously not true based on what you've just said which is that obviously how could the russians be brainwashing australia like russian australians but it's the same with china the chinese communist party is very popular even in australia despite the fact that like they're not really influenced by like they, they hear both sides well so i mean we, we look there's been a lot of talk about foreign influence lately in the media and the government passed this week a amendment to the citizenship act uh, listing foreign interference as one of the crimes for which you may lose maybe you may be uh may have your citizenship australian citizenship revoked if you're a dual citizen uh but this is interesting isn't it uh, with the russian election a russian election in australia it's not really foreign interference at all it's just sort of it's neither here nor there so I mean, if it was Russians interfering into an Australian election, fair enough. But this is Russians being involved in their own election, and they have the right to vote, and they've got their own polling booths. Traditionally, look, the polling booths for the Russian presidential election in 2018 were set up at the Russian embassy, the consulate, a couple of other places. So, uh, but that's, look, that's a separate topic. But tell me, Lachlan, as a prominent member of uh, the Sydney uh, anti-lockdown freedom movement scene, uh, let's rewind back to the days when lockdown started. What were you doing, and how did you sort of get involved? What was your first, uh, what was your first brush with the law or with the protests? Well, well, I, I believed I believed that COVID was a real threat for the first two weeks, and then after two weeks, I started to realise that, like, hang on a minute, no one's dying, and so kind of two weeks in, I started sort of looking into it and realising, fuck, this doesn't really make sense. Like, and no one around me could answer, explain what we would why we were locking down or answer any questions, but they didn't want me to, they just didn't like being asked. And so I started basically going out doing what you were doing but and protesting and stuff. Um, 
because I was so bothered by the level of irrationality in, in just the average person in Australia. Like the irrational levels of worship for the, the lockdowns and government and irrational trust in the government, basically. And so my first brush in with the law was when uh, I went, I went, I, I travelled down to Victoria during the Victorian lockdown just to see what it was like because the Victorian lockdown was like another level of authoritarianism compared to Sydney. Like nothing we've ever seen before. So you are, you you went to Victoria on purpose just to check it out? Just a troll, just a troll and check out what it was like. And, oh, my God, boy, did we get harassed by the police. Like this was like nothing we've ever seen before. Um, I got arrested twice, but we never got charged with anything. So we just, there was going to be a massive protest, but um, only maybe 3,000 people turned up because the Daniel Andrews, who's the Victorian Premier, got involved in essentially arresting the leaders of the protest the organisers of the protest, sorry, and threatening them with jail time if they didn't say that the protest was cancelled. And so the organisers of the protest had to say it was cancelled and tell everyone that it was cancelled and tell everyone not to come or they'd be put in jail. And so only th only 3,000 people turned up. So that was my first brush in with the law, as you were just asking about. So well, you went to Victoria on purpose during the lockdowns and you crossed the border because those in those days the borders actually had checkpoints on them and they were pulling people over, I remember. And they were stopping people from entering the state. Yeah, I, I, had a, I had a truck at the time, so we could get through pretty easily. And we had a permit. The trucking company gave us a permit. So it was kind of like, it was partially just a troll and partially just to see, like, what's this like. But we wanted to see if we could get into, just to try and be, like, rebellious. Yeah. Makes sense. Look, you've been you've been very good at trolling. I remember your uh, chanting that you were doing at the all the rallies. Uh, why don't you give us uh, a, a chant just so those people who may have heard you, they can remind you that you were the guy that came up with these fantastic chants. I'm not going to do it on the radio. I'll do it on the air. Let's hear it because I want to hear it for myself. I mean, this is just to put this in perspective for our listeners and viewers, 50,000 people at a protest, smack bang in the middle of lockdowns, and this man, <laughs> Lachlan Kavanagh, gets on the microphone, and what does he say? Go ahead. give Rip, rip it out. You can shove your poison vaccines up your ass. You can shove your poison vaccines up your ass. As you can hear, my singing's not very good, but that, that, that kind of adds to the humour of the whole situation. It, it makes it that bit more amusing. It was good, and you had you had 50,000 people chanting and singing with you. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very it's a very tense situation. Um, but it all just went away like that. What do you think of that? What do you think of the fact that COVID just went away overnight? I mean, we've got to thank again Vladimir Putin. He seemed to have killed the world. All of a sudden, everybody forgot about that and started talking about... Uh, uh, Zelensky in Ukraine, and that's another thing I wanted to ask you about. Look, as an Australian, you you're born here. When did, actually, when did your parents or grandparents when did they come to Australia? Uh, my, I've been here for like four or five generations. So your great 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 grandparents came to yeah, Australia yeah. in the eighteen hundreds. So it's so far down the line that we I don't even know who was the person who came across. Oh, good. The reason I ask is so we can just uh, cross out any potential uh, speculation that you're a Russian agent of sorts. Because your opinions now that you're going to give us on the Ukraine war are completely of a local, independent and unkremlinized nature. So, <laughs> Lachlan, as a person from Australia, as an Australian uh, landscaper who runs his own small business, what was your view when the war started? Like twenty, let's go back to twenty fourth of February two thousand and twenty two. Russia said it's a special military operation. Others said it was a war. What was your view the day it happened? Remember when the uh, the Russian troops came in and it's all started happening. What was your first reaction? Well, I was I was instantly sceptical because the, the media, I'd been lied to the media 
by the media for three years about COVID. So I was instantly skeptical about the, this war in Ukraine and what was the cause of it. But also, I, I know enough about war to know that both sides lie and you can't tell. You, you, you don't, if you're a neutral party, you, you, can't really, you don't really know who to trust. You can't trust one side or the other to be a more accurate source of information because both sides are motivated to tell lies. So you just, you just don't know who to trust. So people that are hearing, I've got friends of mine that, that listen to the media and they only hear the pro-Ukraine side of the story. And if you only hear one side of the story, you end up getting convinced that the other side's evil. So I have friends of mine who literally believe that Vladimir Putin is the, is the second coming of Adolf Hitler and the Russians are, are evil and they're not, they're not even interested in hearing the other side of the story and they don't, they're not, they are completely confident that their view is 100% correct. Obviously, if you, I listen to intellectuals talk about this sort of stuff and so it's pretty clear that the invasion is self-defence in, in short. You're saying the Russian invasion is self-defence and you were sure of that from day one. I wasn't sure of that from day one, but I wasn't sure what to think. But it was—it's pretty obvious what we're being told wasn't true. Yeah. Well, is it because you think uh, over the years of lockdowns and what the government was uh, feeding us in terms of the propaganda and the mandates that you already had a healthy mistrust to the government uh, and the media? So by the time the special operation came around, uh, you sort of said, "Yeah, nah, I, I smell a rat." Yeah, and then when you listen to intellectuals talk about it, because you can't trust journalists talk about war, like. The journal, journalism in the West has become so arrogant and biased and one-sided, but there's no freedom of speech in journalism anymore. If you say anything positive about Russia, you're a Russian agent and you basically have to be against Russian journalism or you basically get accused of being a Putin supporter and whatever, whatever, whatever. So there's no freedom of speech in journalism. So you can only listen to intellectuals. And all I, I didn't hear a single credible intellectual that could come up with a good argument to say that, Putin's trying to expand the Russian Empire. The only well, I, I put it to you that I wish Putin would expand the Russian Empire. Is that a bad thing? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, I, you too. You're, at least you're honest. Well, there you go. We agree on that. Hang on. <laughs> Why do you want Putin to expand the Russian Empire? You said you're from Australia and you've been here for you know five generations since the 1800s. So what is the uh, what's the what's the what's the sentiment there for the expansion or the return of the Russian Empire from your sure. point of view? Well, there's two things. Firstly, I just like watching arrogant people get... I like watching bullies get punched. So, and if you look at it this way, I, I view NATO as being the bully or the US as being the bully here because, like, the US's economy is 15 times stronger than Russia's. It's, it's a much, much... I, think, I feel, I feel like, can I characterise your sentiment by the sort of Australian uh, classic support the underdog uh, sentiment? But also, Russia's not trying to sex change the children of their own people and export transgenderism to the whole world. So that's my first. The, the argument that Putin's evil is a difficult argument to make when we're we're sex changing kids in Australia. But well, the, the let's, let's, let's let's hold that thought. Is Putin evil or not? Uh, we'll be back with more. Lachlan Kavanagh joining us uh, straight after this break on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Kate Shamarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP, always. But with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all. They just let it on the market all the time. Sugar, 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 sugar. And then that's not even to bring in like MSG, monosodium glutamate. And, and I, if, I, I 
can say, you know, you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food. There's nothing to eat in there. I very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places. And if you go into the supermarket, there's only the first two aisles that have got real food. The rest, it, it's not food. And I see what people buy. I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them, don't get all excited, but I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying and it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like and your teenager's brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age. Kate Shimarani on TNT Radio. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. thelightpaper.co.uk the challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. Uh, animals haven't eaten in a day, two days, they haven't drank anything, they're cold, they're dehydrated. As soon as we started our descent, everywhere I could see was mud. Just absolutely mud. So the country has been long for drought so long, it was like a tinderbox waiting to go up. Okay, very heavy. Each of us wants to be part of the solution, and we can be. Remember that there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into your unit and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... Okay. And around the world. For any animal in any disaster. So let's focus on that, right? Be part of the solution. One rescue at a time. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. Listen. Listen up! Listen, we gotta talk. It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to Saturday Night Live with the Aussie Cossack. Uh, joining us, Lachlan Kavanagh, one of uh, my colleagues and fellow freedom fighters from back in the days when we were on the streets of Sydney and Melbourne, Victoria, New South Wales, all the other states uh, battling, fighting back against the government overreach, against the police uh, intimidation tactics. If you remember those days. Uh, it's a pleasure to be speaking with Lachlan tonight. Uh, Lachlan, uh, before the break, you mentioned that uh, you think Vladimir Putin is not evil, and you think the West is actually the evil one. Well, it's a it's a much it's a much more harder thing to quantify. Like I said before, we're sex changing children and promoting degeneracy and porn and every other kind of disgusting behaviour that you could possibly imagine onto the children, right? And they're not doing this in Russia, so. It, it's much harder to quantify than you think, right? Putin is, um, he did a speech recently saying that GMO, people growing GMO foods are now terrorists and has banned GMO foods in Russia as well. Do you know about this? Yeah, well, uh, I think it's a good thing that uh, the GMO foods are banned in Russia. You know, sometimes you, you eat food in Australia, it just tastes the same. I don't know, is it just me? Uh, when you, especially, Maybe one of our listeners can uh, ring up and confirm this, but uh, Uber Eats, Menulog, it just tastes the same. Everything tastes the same now. Is it just me or have you noticed that? Well, the point is, that's how you know that GMO foods are probably pretty bad for it. Don't you reckon? I'll, I'll, I imagine so. You know, I yeah. just, you know, I, li I lived in Russia for a few years and 
I miss I miss a good homemade borscht or a nice you know homemade Russian food, uh, homemade food and you know, organic food generally it doesn't matter where you are whether in Australia or Russia it's great but I think it's a good thing that Russia passed those laws banning GMO foods laws uh, protecting children from all the indoctrination which the West is pushing on them so you as a person in the West you're attracted to these type of uh, laws uh, that uh, Vladimir Putin is passing in Russia. Well, it's, the point is this is a sign of responsible leadership. We have irris- very irresponsible leadership in, in the West. And the, the war in Ukraine is an example of very irresponsible leadership. I mean, like, for example, it's pretty clear that Russia's won the war now. I mean, I think that's kind of obvious to anyone watching. The US has kind of has lost interest and Russia's going to win. But they could have done a deal much earlier and a much better deal earlier if they had just accepted that, okay, well, this is what Russia wants. We, you know, we have to accept that, blah, 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 and just did a deal. But they fought the war. Many people have died, billions of dollars, and now Russia's won anyway. We're always gonna win. Unless U.S. troops get on the ground, Russia was always going to win anyway. And so... If U.S. troops get on the ground, that's World War Three. But in saying that, there are plenty of U.S. troops on the ground. U.S. tanks, U.S. missile launches, U.S. high-mass missiles, U.S. satellites, U.S. intel, U.S. instructors, uh, British cruise missiles, storm shadow missiles, Challenger tanks, which are getting blown up all the time, uh, Mastiffs, Bradleys. You've got a smorgasbord from all sorts of different NATO countries uh, on the ground. And you know what's interesting? That this situation has actually allowed Russia to practice, to uh you could say perfect its military strategy and what an opportunity for the russian military historically to k- learn how to fight uh, against the best of nato and nothing that nato has that NATO has been throwing at the russian front line has actually worked russia maybe initially they've been caught out here and there uh, you know, it's, it's uh, futile to uh, claim that russia has no losses i mean of course russian losses are 10 times less than the ukrainian losses however uh, Russia was able to learn, develop new tactics, develop countermeasures in a sort of uh, an excellent uh, training exercise, which will now prepare the Russian military for uh, a future conflict should that come around the corner. Because a country on paper may be strong, the military may be strong, you may have X amount of tanks, X amount of helicopters, X amount of troops. But unless those troops are training and constantly fighting. And that's why traditionally the United States have been a strong military. Why? Because they go to war every two years. They're always fighting somewhere. So their logistics, their uh, chain of command, they, they, they get used to fighting. And that's what that's what they've done to Russia now. They've uh, turned Russia into a military uh, powerhouse. Uh, the military industrial complex of Russia is working now back to the, the standards and the production levels that we saw at the heart of the Cold War, Russian missile production is at its highest. Uh, but look, we've got a caller on the line. Uh, stay with us, uh, Lockie. We'll take this call because I said to you guys, 1-800-670-310. Anytime tonight you want to ring up, you may disagree, you may agree, but let's hear it. Uh, this is the home of free, of free speech. And we've got uh, Taras, who's on the phone, which is a very interesting name. He's called up. He wants to talk about uh, refugees. He's from northern New South Wales. Taras, welcome to TNT Radio. Thank you, Ozzy Cossack. It's a real pleasure after all these months of listening to reason and, um, yeah, having a voice, yeah, to sort of saying the batshit crazy of the world. Um, Thank you. 
Pleasure, pleasure, mate. What do you want to talk about? Well, yeah, okay, the refugee status. So the, not lost for me. I went through the Lismore flood. Um, I spent 10 hours inside my house floating in two metres of water before I was rescued by the Timmy Brigade. Bless them. They get a gold pass. Um, but it wasn't lost on me in the 10 hours that I floated because I couldn't, um, yeah, I, I had things to be responsible for, which is my dog and my daughter's cat and her belongings and everything I know because, you know, I did Lismore. I've been in Lismore since the 80s, so I, don't, I do floods pretty good. So I don't do stupid. Um, I'm pretty well versed in sort of what it means. So, um, you know, the six months that I was in Lismore, um, yeah, um, just something just didn't feel right. But when it happened, it happened. So it gave me thought and appreciating what you offer as a platform, I see Cossack, in sort of saying... <sighs> Putin's not the issue. <laughs> you know, here in Australia, we've like literally, you know, walking into the evacuation centre, bedraggled, tired, hypothermic, uh, got my dog, got my daughter's cat, and all I'm looking up at the television screen is Prime TV with Morrison giving $470 million military aid to Ukraine. And I went, are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, look, I, look, I remember the days of the Lismore floods during under the Scott Morrison rule. And I remember uh, commentating on the situation, uh, the frustration of locals such as yourself, watching the Morrison government give hundreds of millions of dollars to Zelensky, yet they were not giving any help to the people in Lismore. I mean, all those Bushmasters, all those uh, military uh, 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 vehicles and so forth could have been used, deployed in Lismore to rescue people. Those troops, uh, those resources could have been used to help Australians, right? And it's an insult. It's a slap in the face to people such as yourself in Lismore who were hit very hard by the floods and they got they got no help. In fact, I remember uh, during the Lismore floods uh, making a sort of uh, you know, a bit of a black humour joke. Well, if the people of Lismore had have raised the Ukrainian flag, well, maybe then maybe then the Australian federal government would have given them some assistance. So that's what you didn't do. You should have uh, should have raised the Ukrainian flag. That's, that's, that, 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 that's the dilemma, my friend, because um, my parents came from the war. They, they, they migrated to Australia in the hope of, of goodness and good things. Look, I, I noticed your name, uh, uh, Taras. So tell me, where are you from? Where are your parents from? Yeah, uh, so my parents from Western Ukraine in Kolomea, which is um, closer to the uh, Karpate, the Carpathian Mountains. So the Carpathian Mountains, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, like everyone's had a go at this part of the world, you know, from Roman times and everything else, but somehow we prevail and, you know, life goes on. Um, so that's you know, remarkable. Like, Your parents migrated from the west of Ukraine, traditionally an area uh, in Ukraine, where Russian sentiment is not very high compared to the east of Ukraine, the south of Ukraine, where Russian sentiment is very is very strong. Uh, your parents, well, I imagine they came out in the fifties to Australia. Oh no, no, no! They were like okay, the, they were part of the diaspora where World War Two, where everyone's blown. So when you're close to the western borders of Austria, Hungary, so my dad um, uh, got Hungarian German heritage. And my mum's 
full-fledged Ukrainian. And basically they were granted the first boat that came out in 47 and came to Australia before them. Now, now here, here's, the, here's the key question. What was your father doing during the period of 1941 to 1945? I don't know because he was an orphan. I okay, so he would have been a kid. He would have been very young. Uh, and he's, he's, you're saying your grandfather uh, passed away early. Um, no, no, no. So, so first generation, in context, he, they were all um, in their teens. So they were born in the late 20s, 26, 27, as far as I know. Um, so they were teenagers um, mm -hmm. navigating World War II. After, after, you, after, is your father, is your mother, are they still with you? No, unfortunately they passed. Yeah, passed away. Do you yeah. remember what, what was their attitude towards Russia? Uh, strangely, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't. They were just grateful to be in this good land called Australia. They mm -hmm. didn't have war. They didn't have suffering. They worked hard. They, my, you know, I'm part of eight kids in a family. You know, um, yeah, it's. They, they left it behind. But now here I am. This is the irony. When you look at what we are at now and the clusterfuck of our society in Australia, and I appreciate that, you know, the sentiments of Putin. Now, look, you, you want to talk about, you know, the whole logistics of um, what happened um, after the war, after the fall of the Berlin War and what NATO is doing and reneged upon it. Um, sentiment to actually infiltrate Ukraine. Um, look, the, 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 the free, the free um, elections that Donbass and Lvovska did, just sort of saying, we're 90% Russians. Can we just be Russians and leave us alone? And just, you know, make, make amends to Moscow and do that. So really this is just drawing the line of Russia sort of saying, we're not attacking anyone. We're just protecting our sovereign citizenship. And I well, that, 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 Taras, that's exa exactly right. I mean, if Russia in, invaded or attacked or went into the west of Ukraine, right, in those regions, Lvov, Ternopol, Ivano-Frankovsk, where they're bordering with Poland and Romania and um, those countries, that, it would be understandable that that's wrong, right? Because the I'd people be there... Angry. I'd, be, I'd be really pissed off. No, yeah. But yeah. somehow I know the... So, so my friends and the people that I live with around me and, you know, going through the flood, you know, they're, they're trying to understand what's being presented by mainstream media. And yet they're sitting with me as a Ukrainian and this is a Muslim me and I'm really being very um, diplomatic and tactful to appreciate that sort of thing. The history didn't just happen when they said Russia invaded on February. No, the history started in World War Two. So this is just a really insidious grasp. And that's why I said to the caller, who's got Australia's government by the short and curlies right now? You know, yeah, because this doesn't make sense in Australia that, you know, the federal government is willing to provide this, you know, unacceptable level of aid which has got no relevance to our, well, wait, look, our when, when it comes to aid i'm all for sending bandages send them vegemite send them bandages send them whatever but the latest news and this is something that we want to cover tonight 
uh, is that Zelensky is now begging the Albanese government uh, for the Royal Australian Air Force F-18 fighter jets, which are in storage in Australia. They want them. And they also want shipments of Australian coal. But look, we're going to, uh, we're going to have to uh, uh, keep moving on the show. But look, Taras, thanks for the call. And for all those uh, virtue signaling people out there who put Ukrainian flags on their profile pictures and say, I stand with Ukraine. Well, there it is. Taras has rung up. He's a uh, son of Ukrainian migrants from Western Ukraine, from Western Ukraine. There you go. Uh, went through the Lismore floods. And his message is uh, that uh, let the people of Donbass join Russia. If they want to be with Russia, we're going to be back straight after this break with more from Lachlan Kavanagh. Stay tuned. Stay listening on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. It's fascinating listening to people talk about the whole climate situation. Last night in the debates over here in the United States, Virg Ramaswamy, I hope I have his name pronounced right, after all, if you look at my last name, you don't want to pronounce wrong, right? But in any case, he echoed what I wrote in my book about this whole climate change situation and the fact that COVID was a warm-up for eventual climate lockdowns. And I was listening to Alex Epstein yesterday, who I think is just spot on right, and he was saying the same kind of things that I've been saying over the years. You see, we all understand that even if this is a problem, it can't be that bad a problem since we have 128 the climate deaths that we did in 1930 with four times the amount of people. In any case, Al Gore, who I've talked about before, could be one of the biggest sanctimonious hypocrites, along with John Kerry, that you're ever going to encounter. He says that the agreement to phase out fossil fuels would be one of the most significant events in the history of humanity. And it would be because it would lead to mass death among a lot of people. It would lead to, at the very least, the fact that you will not have the freedom to do what you're supposed to do. And of course, we have John Kerry. How rich is this? A guy that got a D in geology in college says, we've got to do what the science tells us to do. Well, science doesn't say anything because it's an eternal search for the truth that is constantly being challenged and upgraded. But these two, I don't know what I should call them, Capatost in Italian, they're very dangerous people. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob, recognize daddy again after a long time just melted my heart and now as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones united through reading is also available to veterans learn more about united through reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org you're listening to the ozzy cossack on today's news talk radio tnt
Here we go. What a very, very hot day it has been all over New South Wales. It's currently about 26 degrees still in Sydney, even though it's uh, 8.44 p.m. Sydney time, which is quite hot in evening temperatures, hitting as far as uh, uh, 40 degrees today in inland suburbs, 39 degrees uh, in the city. I had a phone call today from a Russian general in Siberia, in the, in the city of Chita in Zabaikal, and he told me, it's 43 degrees here. And I said to him, 43 degrees. Well, I said, it's it's 43 degrees here as well, except he had minus 43, we had plus 43. Uh, but very, very hot indeed today, and it still remains to be hot in the uh, Russian consulate. But look, we've got some hot topics coming up tonight, uh, which are suiting the weather. Lachlan Kavanagh uh, is with us, joining us for, for the rest of the hour. Lachlan, there you go. That was an interesting caller, Taras, from uh, northern New South Wales, Lismore. The blokes from western ukraine and he says he stands with putin you know these are the kind of people that albanese should be listening to of course of course it's really a question of how much does the government care about you like do they care about you more or do they care about showing off to the the western ruling class more and that's what in my opinion giving all these weapons to ukraine is let's show off to all the other western those hey we're on board with we're kind and moral and whatever we care about you know showing off more than our own people and that's what i reckon it's all about I mean, he, he was very right to be uh, angry, uh, being from Lismore, when they were basically abandoned uh, there in the floods. Uh, and at the same time, so much Australian aid going overseas. I mean, if they can't help people first in Australia, they shouldn't be helping anyone overseas, in my opinion. You know, Australians need to be put first. Uh, it's ridiculous that the Zelensky government is now demanding or slash begging that Albanese sends them coal, right? They've said today... Uh, in the news, it's a big announcement that uh, Ukrainians want Australian coal because the Russian military is targeting electricity infrastructure and it's winter, so it's cold. But why would you send Australian coal, right? I'll tell you what the uh, logic behind this is. There's coal uh, in Poland. There's coal in Russia. There's coal in Ukraine, for goodness sake, itself. you can always, The Ukrainians can always buy Russian coal, but the Ukrainians get knocked back now when they ask for cash. So usually they could just say, we need 200 million, we need 300 million, we need 500 million. People are saying no. So then they come up with these clever arguments. Oh, we, we don't need money, but we need coal. And then the, what they're banking on is for the Australian government to turn around and say, well, logistically, it's too expensive and too difficult to send you coal. I mean, how are you going to get coal from Australia? Let's say from the port of Newcastle, where they load coal into big ships. How are you going to get that through uh, the Suez Canal, right, up through the Mediterranean, through the Bosphorus Straits into the Black Sea because Ukraine doesn't control any ports anymore. And also the Turkish hate us because of the war in Israel, so they might not let those ships through, just saying. Oh, it's amazing here yeah, how the Turkish uh, uh, leader Erdogan has really, really turned against the West, even though he's a member of NATO. That's the thing. Um, it's very, very intriguing to see the division in NATO because of the Israel-Palestine situation. So... For these coal ships, right, that, that Australia is supposedly supposed to send, right, free coal, again, when we've got record high power prices in Australia, we've got people paying through the roof for power here, and we're supposed to uh, send, give coal. What does a coal ship cost? I think it costs about 70 to $80 million. I know because Scott Morrison sent a ship of coal back in the day, and I said, well, that ship of coal is never going to make it to Ukraine, and it's just 
for virtue signaling purposes, for press conference purposes, is for him to make a fancy announcement. Here we go. We're sending a ship of coal to Ukraine. How is a ship of coal supposed to get into Ukraine? Ukraine is now effectively a landlocked country. You can't actually dock into Ukraine. So what are you going to do? The ship is going to dock in Italy or Greece or Spain or, or Germany, right, at a port, and then you're going to load the coal into uh, railway cars and you're going to send it in via the western border. Then why didn't you just buy the coal from the Czech Republic, right, or Poland or some neighbouring country? It's it's all about virtue signalling. Haven't the Ukrainians pushed the Black Sea fleet out of Sevastopol at the moment? Or the Russian Black Sea Yeah. No, the Russian the, no, the Russian Black Sea fleet is uh, it's in uh, Sevastopol. It's uh, all around the uh, Black Sea. Uh, they've successfully defend against uh, regular attacks uh, by NATO weapons, Onyx missiles, and uh, unmanned uh, surface uh, drones. So, look, the Russians have had some losses, no doubt. You have to understand that the Russians never expected to be fighting against fifty plus countries. Right, that's they're fighting against a whole bunch of countries, and obviously these countries are on the sly. No one's de declaring war on each other, but they're sending all of their technology, all their missiles, all the weapons. So the Russians are doing a good job, but of course they retain full control and dominance of the Black Sea. Uh, the Ukrainians sort of shot themselves in the foot uh, with not being able to accept any incoming uh, container ships or bulk carriers because they mined the waters in the Black Sea in and around the port of uh, Ismail and uh, Odessa. And these mines, of course, uh, very irresponsibly were spread around the Black Sea to try to uh, make it difficult for the Russian Navy. But these mines were then washed away and they're washing up in Turkish shores. They're washing up in Romania. And look, the Ukrainians are effectively, they're landlocked. But speaking of that, that's one of the uh, main aims that Russia or some Russian commentators, uh, one of them, uh, Saldo, the head of the Kherson region, the Russian-controlled Kherson region, has said that Russia will take the port of Odessa and Ismail. And if they manage to do that, then indeed uh, Ukraine will be a landlocked country. And that's the thing, like you said, about them just cutting their losses and making negotiations with Russia and making a deal. The further they avoid making a deal, the further they push for war and they keep financing war and sending more weapons and sending more Ukrainians to die, the less, I believe, bargaining power the Ukrainians actually have. They should cut their losses now, except that, look, Russia's got uh, X amount of land, and Russia's not going anywhere. The counteroffensive failed. The front line hasn't changed since, uh, at least, I would say, it hasn't changed significantly since November 2022. Yeah, plus, minus, here and there, 5, 10 kilometers plus, they lose some, they get some, they move forward, they lose it, they uh, retreat, they take it again, tit for tat. But if you look at it from a map, from a big perspective, the front line really hasn't changed significantly since November 2022. Unfortunately, what has changed is hundreds, hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian men are being, and women, by the way, this is a bizarre trend now. So many women are popping up on the front lines that the Ukrainian government sending women into battle really is that's, disgraceful. That's just, yeah, that's just a disgrace. But you got there's strong incentives for, for, for Putin to take as much of Ukraine as he can, I reckon, as well, because once, once peace is declared or there's a ceasefire, Ukraine and the US are going to be involved in trying to undermine Russian control of Ukraine as much as they can. So from Putin's perspective, he wants to take as much of Ukraine as possible so that Ukraine's totally ruined and is completely dysfunctional and can't run itself properly. So it can't be a threat to them. Well, so look, you, you, look, that's an interesting point. 
many Russians don't want Ukraine to be ruined. And the way, even the way Russia's fighting its special liberation, you can see that Russia never wanted to flatten cities and destroy, uh, totally destroy Ukrainian infrastructure, such as bridges, roads, railway junctions. Look, if they wanted to, that could have been all gone in the first 72 hours of the conflict. That didn't happen. Uh, look, look, for an example, as an example, let's take Israel-Palestine. Look what's happening to Gaza. You can see the, uh, the footage, the way Israel is conducting that war, just flattening residential buildings. Uh, it's almost like controlled demolition. And they've killed more civilians in Gaza than the, the whole Ukraine war. Yeah, there more more have died in Gaza in one month of fighting since uh, October seven. Now it's almost two months coming up. In fact, yeah, it is two months the anniversary. And more have died than in this than in you know almost two years of fighting uh, between Russia and Ukraine. What does that tell you? Does, is it because Russia's weak or Russia doesn't know how to kill people or Russia doesn't have the capabilities or doesn't have the, you know big bombs and big missiles? Of course not. You got to remember the West is accusing Putin of war crimes. But they haven't. But the, the Israelis—that's just totally fine. What the Israel is doing, and the, the only difference is that Putin is an enemy of of the US, as Israel is an ally to the US. So the US doesn't care what its own allies do, regardless of how bad it is. They basically just accuse all their enemies of war crimes, and all of their allies just get off scot free. So the whole international law is a joke, essentially. The the the, the war crime, the the, idea, the concept that Putin's a war criminal is a joke when you compare it to Israel. Well, it's funny that uh, there is an international criminal court warrant for his arrest and uh, Putin in a very, very uh, classy, a very classy manner, you know, flew to the Middle East, escorted by uh, Russian jet fighters flying from Moscow with a presidential plane, crossing into crossing over airspace of US allies into Saudi Arabia, uh, touching down in Dubai, United Emirates, and look, no one arrested him. No one stopped him. So even the fact that uh, they say he's a war criminal, well, they really they don't believe that either. It's all just uh, it's all just there's a lot of virtue signaling, and this is the thing: when virtue signaling collides with reality, that's when the West is left with egg on their face. I mean, how is the Albanese government? How is the Australian government going to repair all of the bad vibes that they've caused? against Russia, Lachlan. I mean, you've seen you've seen all the banter starting under Morrison and now under Albanese, uh, all the anti-Russian rhetoric constantly spewing out of the mouths of Penny Wong, Richard Miles, and senators like James Patterson, David Van. He's actually gone very quiet, David Van. I wonder anyone knows what's happened to David Van. He was busted for that sex scandal, a parliamentary sex scandal, or let's call it an alleged sex scandal for the sake of defamation. And he seems to have uh, just disappeared off the radar. But he was a big... Uh, uh, supporter. Part of the reason this is so insulting as well is because uh, I said that our leaders don't care about us and it's become more obvious. And part of the reason this is so insulting is because Russia should be an ally to the West. Like oh, China, China is rising. China is a massive threat to the US's dominance in the world stage, clearly. And even though China and Russia are allies, China is a threat to Russia as well. Russia should be a, an ally of the US against China, but they're not because our leaders are stupid and foolish and do stupid things and we've got all this anti-Russia, which we need to fix as quickly as possible. The real well, question is whether Trump would turn that around. Well, Trump would definitely, I think if he was in power, he would uh, uh, shut this conflict down in 24 hours, as he promised. But again, as we've, we've spoken about this uh, topic uh, quite often lately, 
that Australia has nothing to gain by fighting Russia or being part of a coalition supplying weapons against Russia. Uh, look, 95% of trade between Russia and Australia has now, since 2022 compared to 2021, has now stopped. And guess where that trade, the balance of that trade was in Australia's favour. Now, Albanese, this is how silly he is. He thinks by stopping Australian farmers from selling meat to the Russian market, from stopping Australian uh, miners from selling uh, aluminium, uranium to the Russian market, he thinks he's punishing Putin. He's not. He's actually punishing rural Australian communities. He's punishing regional Australia. He's punishing those communities who have already been hit hard and doing it tough from lockdowns and COVID, and now they've just lost another market that used to provide billions of dollars. And of course, the sanctions aren't working. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, Japan, for example, uh, banned the export of uh, certain types of cars. I think it's above 1.6 litres or 1.9 litres capacity to Russia, right? Just for virtue signaling. And so what, what happens at the same time? Russia increases imports of Japanese cars via Kazakhstan, via Armenia. Same with uh, a lot of German cars. So all these little countries, the Russian satellite, the former Soviet countries, uh, uh, Armenia, for example, Georgia, Kazakhstan, they all of a sudden, they start benefiting because all the trade goes through them. Same thing with Australian oil. I can't stop reminding everyone about the farce, about the fraud of the Australian government, where Australian government officially says we do not buy Russian oil. In April 2022, Albanese banned the import of Russian oil. Again, virtue signaling to show for the sake of uh, looking tough for the sake of saying, look, we, uh, we're we against Russia, we're against Putin, we're banning Russian oil imports into Australia. They're very specific. They even banned uh, any petroleum-based products, right? And what happens? Australia increases its oil imports from India, from Singapore. Now, Lachlan, you know where Singapore is? Yeah. You know how big Singapore is? Yeah. Well, how big Singapore is? This is smaller than Sydney. Right? Where does Singapore have oil? Where does Singapore have oil? I don't know. How is Australia importing oil from Singapore? I'll tell you why. It's because, yeah, Russian oil tankers pull up to Singapore to the ports. They do a switcheroo of the documents. The Singaporeans make a few billion dollars just by changing the documents, saying this oil is no longer Russian. It's now Singaporean. And idiots uh, in the Australian government uh, accept that and say, yes, this is no longer Russian oil. This is now Singaporean oil. We're going to buy it and we're going to pay 30% extra for it. That's why the oil prices have been so high that the petrol prices at the Australian um, petrol stations, and I know they're subsiding now a little bit, they've dropped, but they were up at about $2.40, $2.50. Again, who are we punishing here? Putin's not losing. Russia is actually uh, having record high uh, oil revenues uh, ever at the moment, right? And the last two years, the, the economy is doing even better than usual. It's increasing. So it's all about virtue signaling. Uh, Lachlan, what's your message to the Australian government? If you were in power, how would you approach the, the uh, topic of Zelensky and Putin? I would declare neutrality and start trying to talk to the Russians and try to get them on our side of the ledger when it comes to the conflict between the West, essentially, and China. Because we, we, the Australian government doesn't have much influence, though, is, is, is the problem. It's really more what the US has to do, and they have to fix their relationships with Russia because Russia is a really important ally. To, in the conflict with China. Lachlan, you make a lot of sense. Australian neutrality, what we've been talking about for a while. Uh, thanks for joining us, Lachlan Kavanagh. You can check out his page on Instagram. That's Lockie Kavanagh. We're back after the news. Stay tuned if you're watching us on YouTube or Telegram or Twitter. We're back with more after the news.